Hello, and welcome to the Church on the Hill podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to join us live this Sunday at 500 Sands Drive in San Jose, California. Visit churchonthehill.com for service times and directions, and also to learn more about connecting, growing, and serving at Church on the Hill. Now let's join lead pastor Scott Simarok as he teaches at Church on the Hill. All right, open your Bibles, go to Acts chapter uh, 2, Acts chapter 2, and uh, you're going to want some notes open because uh, I want you to be able to follow along in this. Uh, my family and I, we, we were out of town last week. We were, we were celebrating, honestly. We, were, uh, we went to Hawaii, and uh, we are celebrating my son Austin, graduated from college. Woohoo! Like, off the payroll. All right. And then our, um, our daughter, she graduated with her master's degree from, um, from uh, Azusa Pacific, and we're super excited about that, so we were celebrating all of that. Now, when I travel and go places, um, I don't know, I just have this weird habit. I, like, start picking up the accent of how people talk and words that people say. You know what I'm talking about, brother? Anybody's been to Hawaii, right? Everybody's brother. And so I thought it was fun with my family. I'd be like, brothers and sisters, we're going to have some poo-poos out on the lanai. <laughs> right? I don't talk like that ever. Except when I go to Hawaii, it's just like, it's fun, right? So um, a couple years ago, when uh, maybe 10 years ago now, I, we were in Hawaii on the island of Maui. And I found this Bible, the pigeon, the Hawaiian pigeon Bible, right? Where else would I find this? Costco. It's just what we do, right? We go to Costco when we go to Hawaii because they've got cool Hawaiian shirts there. So uh, this morning, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. It'll show up on the screen behind you. But I thought this, just for for fun, I'm going to read Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 in the Hawaiian Pigeon Bible this morning. You might be able to follow along as I read this and you see what's on the screen, but uh, just so we're clear what's happening in the context of this story, there were 120 Christians. They weren't actually Christians. They weren't called Christians at the time. There were 120 people who witnessed the death and the resurrection of Jesus in Jerusalem. They saw him die on a cross and they saw him come back to life. They witnessed it and then they, they were with Jesus for the next 40 days as Jesus was alive on the earth with them, teaching them, having fellowship with them, sharing meals with them. And at the end of those 40 days, Jesus ascends to heaven. And then there's this day that we call Pentecost, okay? This day called Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit shows up and shows off. I mean, that's a mild way of saying it. He creates this amazing scene in the city of Jerusalem with like tongues of fire coming down on people. And these, these 120 people, they were able to speak in languages they had never learned. And the amazing part about it was there were people from all over the area who spoke those languages, who were hearing things in their native tongue. And they're like, wait, 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 those people who are speaking them, they're from Galilee and people from Galilee, they don't know anything. They can't speak in our language. And so all of a sudden this crowd comes around and Peter stands up. And he says, let me tell you this miraculous thing you're seeing right now. And he tells them the story of Jesus. And then they say, Peter, what what should we do? And he says this, he says, you need to repent. Turn to God and be baptized. And that day, there were 120 people. That's what made up the church, right? That day, it says 3,000 people became followers of Jesus. 
That's church growth, right? I mean, that's pretty amazing. And so what I'm about to read you is what happened after that. 3,120 people or somewhere around there. They hung out in Jerusalem together and they acted like a family. And this text describes what that first early church was like in Hawaiian pigeon. I'm going to butcher this, all right? So hang with me. You'll see it on the screen. They stick with all the stuff the guys that Jesus teach them. And they all stay together to eat together and pray together. The guys Jesus, when sent all over, they get power for do plenty of awesome stuff. Everybody stay scared because they get plenty respect for Jesus, guys. All the people that went trust Jesus when they stay together and when they share all the stuff with each other. They sell the stuff and give the money to all the people who need kokua. I don't even know what that is. Every day they come together inside the temple yard. They broke the bread inside the houses. They eat together the food and the heart when stay good inside and they never put on an act. They went thank God and tell how good he stay and all the people went talk good about him. And every day the boss went bring other people that he take out of the bad kind of stuff they do. Thus is the reading of God's word. (laughs) I don't know if you picked up on that, but it's in the text in front of you. It's in your Bible. You can read it for yourself. This is the text that we're actually going to be in today. Um, I think this story in the book of Acts is the story of our roots. This is where we come from. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, this is our, this is our roots. And I want us to be rooted in this story. Uh, Because of this, what we just described to you, devoted to the apostles' teaching, devoted to prayer, devoted to one another, to meeting every day, devoted to generosity for those who were in need, devoted to repentance, devoted to, I mean, they were devoted to all of these things. Those are the habits. I'm going to use this word right here. Those are the rhythms of the early church. Those were the rhythms of the first church. So here's what we're going to do. We're starting a brand new series today that's called Rooted. It's going to be a journey for us. This is going to last the whole quarter of the first year. And it's about being rooted in the spiritual rhythms of that first church. Um, Vince Lombardi, since it's football season, we'll give a little football illustration. Vince Lombardi is known as one of the greatest coaches of all time, Right. He took the Green Bay Packers, took them over. He was the head coach in 1959. And the Packers in those days were terrible. Do you know what their record was the year before Vince Lombardi came? One, 10, and one. Let me translate. One win, 10 losses, one tie. The the Packers were horrible. Almost as bad as they are right now. Um, No, I'm just kidding. There's Green Bay fans in the room. They're not that bad yet. He, he went on to coach them for five NFL championships in seven years. And the first day of training camp, he would walk in, he'd grab a football, and he'd look at them all in the face, and he'd go, gentlemen, this is a football. <laughs> These guys have been playing football all their lives, right? He introduced them back to the basics. 
this is a football, and this is how you win. And he got back to the basic rhythms, habits, practices of what made people great football players. There's this quote by Vince Lombardi, and it goes like this. Winning is not a sometime thing. It's an all-the-time thing. You don't win once in a while. You don't do the right thing once in a while. You do the right thing all the time because winning is a habit. Based off of those two things, when he said this is a football and winning is a habit, I think what Vince Lombardi's legacy was was this. You start practicing the habits that build winners. And you don't stray far from those habits. The church, that first church in Acts chapter 2, had these habits about them. This is how we roll. This is how we function. This is what makes us family. And maybe you got it when you first became a Christian. You'd be like, oh, the Bible is exciting because when I read it, I feel God speaking to me. You would pray about something and then God would show up and show off and he would answer. You met other Christians and you're like, oh my gosh, those people are great. I just want to know them more. I walked in a room and I felt like family. There were some things when you first became a Christian that maybe were exciting and thrilling to you. And somewhere along the way, maybe those spiritual practices, you started losing gas on them. (laughs) Maybe you stopped doing them. I mean, it's New Year's, right? This is the season for new habits. Isn't it? You're like, I'm going to put aside some of my bad habits and replace them with some of my good habits, and I'm going to start the new year off right. Rooted is this. It's looking at Acts chapter 2, and this series is all about adapting the seven rhythms and practicing them as a church. So today, we, bring, we begin this brand new series. Let me tell you where this came from. Uh, It comes from a church in Nairobi, Kenya, who partnered with a church in Orange County, California. Could there be not different churches? I mean, Orange County, Nairobi, Kenya, so different. You see, when, um, when California Christians, or actually American Christians, U.S. Christians, when we want to see people grow and develop and mature spiritually, what do we do? Well, you got to teach them something. Give them more information, Right? Well, at least that's how pastors who teach think about it. Like, oh, we got to teach this. In Kenya, it's different. In Africa, it's not given this more information. It's, you know what? They need to have an experience. They need to experience it for themselves. So the church in Orange County and the church in Nairobi, Kenya, they got together and they created this, this series called Rooted that's been around for more than a decade and thousands of people have already been through this. And what they found is people went through this... This is not a teaching series. Very little will impact you probably here on a Sunday morning about the teaching. There's probably nothing you're going to hear that's going to be like, I've never heard that before. I've never heard that prayer is important. Right? I've never heard that having a daily devotion is important. You're not going to hear anything new. But when you step into the rhythms and practices of a daily devotion... When we say, hey, prayer, we often treat it like you're telling God like what's going on in your life as if he doesn't know it. When prayer is actually you listening to what God might have to say to you, when you experience it. So this Orange County church is like, teach them this. This African church is like, give them this experience. When you blended that together, they came up with this rooted series that has been transforming not just individuals' lives, 
but it's been transforming churches because it's become contagious for people. And it's solely based on Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Seven rhythms of the early church. So let me explain this real quick. This is what uh, Rooted is not. You ready? It's not a Bible study. It's not a Bible study because Bible studies are based off of information that you teach. It's actually you practicing some rhythms. It's not a Sunday morning event. I think the most uneventful part of this whole series is going to be Sunday morning. You should still come. But it's about the the group time that you're going to have. It's going to be about the daily devotions that you're going to have. I'll explain that in just a little bit. And I think it's going to be about a series of experiences that we're going to invite you to. It's also not this. It's not a solo experience. Next week, we're going to give you an opportunity to find a group. We call them community groups here. This group is a place where you're going to come and be like, hey, I've been reading this this last week. I wanted to share it with you. Or I have questions about this. And we're just going to be transparent with each other about how little or how much we know and just say, this is what God's doing in my life. It's not a solo experience. Now, some of you, you will treat this as a solo experience. You're going to come on Sunday. You're going to grab this book and go through the daily devotional. And um, you will not get out of it, I think, what God wants to bless you with and give you. And so I would invite you, even if you're like, listen, there's no groups that work for me here. Uh, It just doesn't fit my time schedule. I live kind of far away. That's great. Then make your group. Maybe you're going to make it with the people in your house. Maybe you're going to make it with your neighbor. You're going to go buy a book, get them one. Be like, hey, neighbors, we're going to start off the new year together. Join me. (laughs) Maybe, I don't know what you're going to do. Maybe you have some people that family members who live in different states, and you're like, actually, we're going to do this as a community of 12 members of our family, and we're going to form a group like that, and and we're going to share together. I, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what God's going to do. I just know this. This is not a solo experience, okay? This uh, rooted experience, it's also, it's not cost-free and is not an easy endeavor. A lot of our series were like, hey, come on Sunday, we'll teach and show up at a community group. And like, we set the bar low so that everybody can join. Can I just say this? This is not going to be easy. See, there's, there's not just show up on Sunday. It's not just go to your community group. We're going to set up a series of experiences. Let me just tell you about one. It's a prayer experience. It's funny. We do this with our high schoolers all the time at church. Uh, every year when they go to houseboats, one of the highlights of that trip is this. We give them three hours alone with God. And you're like, a high schooler? Three hours alone with God? Here's the miracle. Without their phone. And I will tell you, consistently, when they come back, they say the number one thing, the most memorable part of it, the most powerful part of it was being alone with God for three hours. Because most of them have never sat and been alone with God for three hours ever in their life. We're going to offer up an experience for you to be alone with God for a couple of hours. And I hope you'll embrace this because it can be life transformational. But it is, again, it's not cost-free. It's not going to be an easy endeavor. So here's what rooted is. It's an experience in the spiritual rhythms of Acts 2. It's a next step of spiritual growth. I'm going to ask this question before we finish today. Where are you at on this journey? Because if you figure out where you're at, you might actually figure out the next step that God wants you to take. It is a group experience and it is a commitment. So let me do this. I want to walk us through Acts chapter 2 briefly. And just today is a setup for this whole series. So I just want to show you the seven rhythms that we're going to talk about. The number one is this. It's the daily devotions. 
the, the scriptures in, in Acts 2, 42, they begin with this, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, the first church, they didn't even have the New Testament, right? I mean, they didn't have a scripture that they could open. They had the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, but they didn't have the blessing of having the story of the death and the resurrection and the teachings of Jesus and then the teachings of the early church all laid out in the, this book, right? And by the way, the Bible isn't just a book, right? It's 66 books. They didn't have that. So they had to gather every day and they listened to the apostles' teaching. What were they teaching them? These apostles were people who had been with Jesus from the beginning. And so they just taught what Jesus did and what he, what he said. They were devoted to learning. We get the blessing of having a scripture that is so accessible. We have it in hundreds of translations, hundreds of languages, even Hawaiian pidgin, right? So we're going to ask you and invite you to join in a daily devotion. It's going to look like this. It's the rooted book. And you can pick it up in the lobby today on your way out. Don't start it yet. It's like, you can buy it, but you can't read it. I want you to start this after your first community group gathering. But that's the first rhythm of the church, being devoted to learning the scriptures. Here's the second thing they were devoted to. They devoted themselves to prayer. We're inviting you not just daily to read something, but to understand that the living God is with you. I mean, they used to, as Jewish people, they used to have to go to the temple to pray. And God's like, no, no, I'm Emmanuel. We just celebrated that at Christmas. I'm God with you. And when that Holy Spirit descended on all of them, it was God's sign that the Holy Spirit of God is with every believer. You know, God is with you wherever you go. And you can talk to him. So let's practice the rhythm of prayer of the early church. And when we pray, don't treat it like, I got to tell God about all the stuff going on in my world. He knows. He God. But what if you paused and stopped telling him what was going on and telling him what he should do for you? And just say, God, I'm here. Would you lead me? What if we learned how to listen to God in prayer? And we're going to do that for 10 weeks. Prayer is what we're going to practice. Here's the third rhythm. It's the rhythm of repentance. Now, this is an interesting one. Peter, he tells them the story of Jesus. And I, I didn't read this part. I just shared briefly with you the, the story where he, he tells these thousands of people who all kind of show up at this moment, and he tells them the story of Jesus. And they go, Peter, what should we do? He says, repent. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of of your sins. Now, previously, these Jewish people, they're in Jerusalem, right? They were all there for the Passover celebration when, when, when Jesus was crucified. For, for them, they would typically bring an animal sacrifice to the temple for their forgiveness. Jesus, though, was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They no longer had to do that. They just turned to Jesus and say, Forgive me, you died in my place for my sins and I receive forgiveness and relationship with God. It's the practice of repentance. It's one of the rhythms that we're gonna do. I know that that might sound intimidating, but cross that bridge when we get to it, all right? Here's the fourth rhythm, sacrificial generosity. 
Here's how it read in Acts chapter 2. I'll read it to you. All the believers, they were together, and they had everything in common. It's maybe one of the most unselfish verses in all of the Bible. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Um, I don't think I really need to share much about this verse, because I think you get this. December, I came to you and I said, here's the need. There's a need in Guatemala and there's a need here right now. And many of you gave sacrificially to say, this is my church. This is a place where God has called me. And I'm about these believers here and we're together. We're family. I felt that when I looked at your generosity. The next one is actually combined with this generosity because it's what we call serving the community. It's the same verse. It's taken from this same context. Um, There were needs in their community. And I think it was actually driven by two things. One is this. If all of these people didn't live in Jerusalem, but they showed up in Jerusalem at the time of Passover and Jesus is crucified and resurrected, and then he's alive with them, there's all these people still there. When Peter stands up and tells this story, now they're like, I can't go home yet. I got to hear the rest of this story. Remember at Pentecost, there were people who lived way outside of Jerusalem who were there hearing the the story of God told in their native tongue. Like they didn't belong in Jerusalem. They're like, I can't go home yet though. So I have to stay. That costs money to stay longer in a place. As many of you know, who got your flights delayed. And so they had needs. How do we stay if we're out of money, out of food? And the community is like, we got you. The other is this, those who were local, their family was in Jerusalem. Oftentimes when you said, you know, I'm a follower of this Jesus, they're like, wait, wait, the Jews had the Romans crucify Jesus. Like that you can't follow Jesus and come to our Jewish temple at the same time. They would get ostracized from their family and ostracized from the economic community, which meant the people you used to sell to or buy from, they would no longer sell to you and they would no longer buy from you which created a financial hardship. But in this community, that family wrapped their arms around them and said, we've got you. So one of the early rhythms of the church was this. They looked around, found a need, and said, I got you. So we're going to practice the rhythm of serving our community. Number six is this. It's the rhythm of sharing the story. It began with Peter, right? When people are showing up and the curious people are like, what is happening here? And he's like, well, um, let, let me tell you. These people that you're seeing, you're hearing them speak different languages. And he tells them the story of Jesus. He just shared the story. The entire book of Acts, here's what it is. It's about sharing the story of Jesus. It started in Jerusalem, then it spread out from there and spread out from there. And eventually this guy named Saul, who later becomes the apostle Paul, he starts sharing all over the place. Eventually he tells the story. I mean, the story travels all the way to the city of Rome, the center of the Roman empire. And the place where they used to kill Christians for sport became the center of the Christian faith. Around the arena, there are now crosses in that area because Christendom, Christianity, overwhelmed the Roman Empire. Why? Because they shared the story of Jesus. And we're going to give you an opportunity for you to figure out what is your story with Jesus and how do you share that? It's one of the rhythms. Here's the last one. It's worship. Look in your Bibles at verse 46. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. See, the Christian faith, it is first and foremost, it's a relationship with the living God. It's not a set of accurate beliefs. The Christian faith is not a correct theology. That's a part of it. But it's a relationship with the living God. And that entails this. We gather together and we worship the living God. We remind ourselves of how great he was. And they did it daily together. But you'll find out later in the book of Acts that it actually moved to once a week. And it moved to this day on Sunday. We're representing the day that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. That was different than what they normally did. Sabbath was Saturday. And they changed their day of worship from this Jewish day to this day that represented the resurrection of Christ. And we still practice that rhythm. So we gather together in worship and Here's how we're going to end this whole 10-week series. There's a Wednesday night that we've planned and set up. It's a dinner for all of you who participate in this. And we're going to celebrate. And we're going to worship. And we're going to do this. Tell us the story of the wins in your life. And we're going to share stories about what God has done in your life over the last 10 weeks. That's how we're going to end our entire series. So th those are the seven rhythms. And don't miss how that text ended. God did something. It says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. The people who practiced the rhythms were changed. But the community in Jerusalem was changed. God brought new people into his family when the family practiced those rhythms. I don't know today who yet is not a believer who might be in this season to come. They might be your family members, your friends, your coworkers. But I want our spiritual habits to be about the mission of our church. And what is it? It's displaying the irresistibility of Jesus so that lives are transformed. So here's my question. Where are you on this spiritual journey? Because I think in this story, there's actually five different groups of people that I'm just going to give them to you real quick. The first group is the curious. Uh, remember when Peter, uh, excuse me, when, um, when they heard this sound and the, this Pentecost thing is going on, it says this, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how can each of us hear them in our own native language? Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? There was a crowd, so they were the curious. Can I just tell you this? Some of you, you are the curious. You're like, I don't, it's the new year. My life isn't going that great, so I'm going to show up to church. I don't know if there's going to be anything for me. But you're like, I'm just curious. Welcome. Super glad you're here. I hope you feel welcomed. I hope somebody said hi to you today. I hope somebody learned your name. I hope you come back. You're the curious. Fantastic. But there's another group in this story, and they're called, the, I call them the converted because they began a relationship with God. They said, hey, we hear the story of Jesus. We believe it. What do we do? Repent and be baptized. And they did. 3,000 people did. They were the converted. They were forgiven and they began a relationship with God. But then there was a third group. And, and by the way, m maybe that's you. And maybe your journey has stopped there. Like, yeah, I got it. I got the truth about Jesus. I know, like, I've done things in my life, and I, I'm a sinner. And, like, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm 
got forgiven. Jesus died on the cross for me. His death and resurrection paid for my sins. I'm all in. I'm a believer. And you're the converted, but your journey stopped there. Remember, there's five people I'm talking about. This is only number two. And a lot of people stop there. You show up on Sunday and you're like, hey, I'm in. But then you go out and nobody knows you because the third group is what we call the connected. The connected, it says those who accepted his message, they were baptized. 3,000 were added to their number that day and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They were committed to the community. They were committed to the relationship. By the way, I threw baptized in there uh, because of this. Um, Being baptized was always a public thing. It was actually the initiation into the family of God. It was the initiation into the church. You would say, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe his resurrection is true. And I'm going to trust in him for my forgiveness and have this relationship with God. And on your public declaration of faith, they would baptize you. They'd put you underwater as the symbol of the death of your old life and being raised to new life in Christ. And from that moment on, because people saw you, they're like, you're one of us. We're family. I saw you get baptized. I was a part of that. They were connected together as family. And some of you, you're you're not connected. And, And I don't say that like I don't want you to be. I deeply want you to be. Because once you felt connected to the family of God, there's no going back. And I'll tell you this, sometimes you feel connected and then seasons go by and you're like, man, I look around, I just, no one knows me, right? Being connected is this craving that we have. Here's the fourth group. I'm calling them the committed because they happily contributed to the cause. Chapter four, verse two. They devote themselves, the apostles, teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They're like, listen, I'm all in. I'm contributing my time, my energy, my learning. And then they sold property and possessions they gave to anybody in need. They didn't do it out of obligation. They did this out of absolute joy. They looked around and said, oh, here's a need. I got that covered. Some of you get this. You serve not out of obligation. You do it because because what God has done for you. And there's a third group here, the compelled. They became fearless influencers. Peter, when that chaos was going around and people were like, the curious are coming, they're like, what is happening? He was compelled to stand up and tell the story. Later on, the apostle Paul, he would be probably the greatest storyteller of Jesus that our world has ever known. And he writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. He writes this, For God's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. Paul's saying this, The love that Christ has shown me compels me to go help other people. I'm standing on the shore with the grass, these plants in front of me, rocks, reef, and breaking waves. I'm in my happy place in Hawaii. As I'm standing there, I'm watching the surfers go, and I'd already paddled out once and surfed a little bit, and I'm standing on a shore, and I just, I find it irresistible to watch this scene. And I watch this gal and this guy in their 20s paddle out. And they get on this wave, and they surf, and they wipe out, and you can tell, like, oh, they're not very good. They're not very experienced. And by the way, I'm not very good either, so I can... It's clear they weren't that good. 
But all of a sudden, another wave came, and they got tumbled in that wave, and they got closer and closer to the reef. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. I'm like looking around. No one else is on the beach is like noticing them, and like they're not saying anything because they just don't even know. But I know because I know where the reef is, and I know what's in that reef. That reef is filled with coral and sharp rocks and sea urchins, spiky things that when you hit them, ow, they hurt. And I, I just know, swim left. Like, swim left. If you swim left, the waves won't break on you. You'll get to deeper water. You'll be fine. Swim left. But I'm standing on shore just... Because who wants to be the guy like, go left! Go left! And I look like an idiot. So they do the wrong thing, and they start swimming towards the reef. Wave after wave starts hitting them. And they start just getting drugged along the reef. She loses her board. The boyfriend's trying to pick up the, the other board, and he's getting tossed. And I can't take it anymore. And I start walking through the plants, through the sand, across the rocks, and I've got shoes on, so it's easier for me. So I'm just, I, I just couldn't take it. I had to go. I was compelled. She comes up on shore. I grab a board, help the guy, and we, we make it back up. And they have sea urchin spines in their hands and they're just, she sits down head between her knees and she's just, if I could have got there earlier, I could have been like, follow me, go left, go left. It's the better way. There's two great teachers in life, right? There's wisdom and pain. I wasn't close enough and with them to help them. And so they didn't learn through wisdom. They had to learn through pain. But as I'm looking around, there's no one else on the beach that's like, oh, let's go. It's just, I surf a little bit so I knew the danger that they were in. I've been there. I've been scared before there. I know what it's like. And in the Christian life, I know that there's danger. I know that you can shipwreck your life in so many different ways that it just compels me to say, oh, don't go that way. And it compels me to say, there's such good news over here. I'm compelled this morning to say, we're going to jump in this Rooted series and join us. Some of you need to move along this journey. You're the curious. And you need to move to that next step. Some of you are going to move from converted to committed. Some of you are going to move from committed to the next phase, and some of you are going to move to this place called compelled, where you're compelled to share the story of Jesus. This is the series we're in. This is what we're going to do. Um, can I just say this? Here's, here's how you get started. You ready? It's on the back of your notes. Let me just give this to you, and we'll wrap this up. Go pick up a book today. Looks like this. Just go pick one up. Everybody needs their own, because there are 10 weeks of daily devotions in here that are about the seven rhythms of the Christian life in the early church. Go grab a book. There are 25 bucks, but can I just say this? If you have any kind of financial need, Christmas was maybe a little bit bigger than you thought. Now you're paying the credit cards on that. Listen, if money's an issue, uh, you tell Mary, whoever's out there, like Scott's got me covered, we will cover you. Money should not stand in the way. We ended the year in the black, people. All right, come on. Pick up a book. If you have a family member, someone who you want to go through this journey with you, get them a book. Don't start reading it yet. Okay? Wait until your first community group. I'll tell you next Sunday a little bit more about this, but each person is going to need their own book. The second is this, choose your community. Who's going to go through this with you? Next Sunday, we launch our community group season. 
And so next Sunday, you'll have an opportunity to choose. You can start asking Pastor Josh now, saying, help me find a group. If you've never been in a group, or maybe you're in a group, you don't even like your group, join a new group, all right? You need a group of people. This is not a solo journey. The last is just this. I'm going to invite you to open your heart and open your life to God. Maybe you're the curious and you're going to cross the line of faith to the converted. Maybe you're the converted, and yet you feel like, I don't belong in a, in a Christian family. And you're going to become the connected. And maybe from the connected, you're going to become the committed to be like, I will happily contribute to, to anybody who has need because of how God has changed my life. Maybe some of you are finally going to look around at the people around you and see them flailing in the waves of life, knowing that they're going to shipwreck their life if they don't have Jesus at the center, and you will be compelled to share your story about how God has changed your life. I would invite you to open your heart and your life to God. And as we close, I'm going to just invite you to just pray that. God, I'm open to this. God, I'm open to starting this journey with people. God, I'm open to removing some of your morning habits to make room for brand new habits, right? And I don't know what God will do in you or through you, but I know this, he's faithful. And if we say, God, here I am, we're ready to journey with you as a a church family and be open to anybody else who's going to journey with us. There is no telling what amazing things God will do in your life, in you, and through you. That's my invitation to join the Rooted series. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, thanks. Thanks for that first church and this amazing description of who they are and what they went through. And God, I I would ask that your power would show up in an amazing way. I pray that you would just wash away any doubt right now in our heads about, ah, just another season. I pray that we would believe in the life-transforming power of you living in our lives so that we'd engage with you. And I pray that in 10 weeks when we gather together, that we would tell stories of victories, talk about the wins of what it is you've done in us. And if you want that, if you're in and you want to join us in that, would you simply say this with me? Amen. Amen.